Closed Doors is not too far away. We'll take some more Metro Friday entries as well when you've suffered an injustice, a la Travis Head not getting picked in the test side. We're in KG just before the break. We'll put that up in podcast form, I think. That was we might even do whatever the digital version of framing that is and shooting it into space. That was like yeah, Peter was Finch in Network ringing KG. It really was, wasn't Mad it? Mad as hell. He's not taking it anymore. Not going to take it anymore. Uh, Hayden's Family Butcher providing the meat this morning, serving Burnside and surrounding areas for over 30 years. Call in and see Chris and the Team Shop 52, Burnside Village. Now, we're really excited to be sitting down here in the studio with our next guest, a bloke who I was lucky enough to catch up with socially last night through a mutual friend. We went out for a couple of quiet ones, nothing too silly, on a Thursday night with uh, work beckoning the uh, following morning. But Dean Parkin is the National Director of From the Heart. Now, From the Heart, to coin a phrase, you'd probably describe it as sort of the grassroots version of The Voice, uh, the, 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 the community-driven uh, group that's out there advocating for a yes vote. And I think it's really important that at a time where it's sort of felt for the last month or so in particular that all of the talking on this issue has been done by the pollies, to have someone like you here, Dean, in the studio to have a yarn about what it actually means to... Indigenous Australians such as yourself. Mate, good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you again, David, and nice to meet you, Will. Now, before we start, you're uh, this is fascinating. We found out last night while chatting, you are related to someone who you can almost describe as South Australian football royalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can call him that, mate, but he's my family, so I've got to be a bit rougher. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shay Cockatoo Collins married your sister. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, and uh, no, all jokes aside, he's a, he's a really good fella. And uh, him and Delvine and uh, their family live up on Stradbroke Island uh, in my home country. So, uh, yeah, they got three beautiful boys, Sashim, Preston and Sterling. Um, Preston's down here in Adelaide at the moment, actually. So um, Is yeah. he showing any footy talent already? Well, one in the family's got to. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you say they might skip a generation. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, he's a handy footballer himself, for well, sure. That's, that's good. So, so look, mate, with the, with the voice, there's obviously been a lot of argy-bargy about it. I guess the first thing I'd ask is, why does it mean so much to Indigenous Australians? What, why do you guys see it as being such an important thing? And, and, and equally, why would you say that white Australians shouldn't have anything to fear from it? Yeah, well, there's, there's two really important parts here, David. Firstly, uh, we're talking about a voice because we've been talking about this issue of recognising Indigenous peoples in the Constitution for a very, very long time. A very simple concept that after nearly 235 years of the modern Australian nation, that the country should very simply, um, very modestly recognise the fact that Indigenous peoples are the first peoples of this country. And so this has been on the agenda for a very long time. And when we asked Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, what is the best way to do that? What's the most meaningful way? If we're going to go to a referendum, we're actually going to ask all the Australian voters to say yes to this. What should we do? And it was no surprise that when asked that, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people said, we've got to do something practical. We've got to do something meaningful to change the status quo for our communities. And the best way to do that is to give Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people a voice, really simply the ability to advise parliaments and governments about the issues that have a really big impact on our community. So it's very simple. We get to do this recognition piece that everybody wants to do. Um, and we also get to do something practical um, through a voice. So it's a really, it's actually a really good deal for the country. Mm, mm. How confident are you that it's going to get up? Well, I've got a lot of confidence because we do a lot of talking, as you mentioned at the outset, with people in community around the country. And uh, and so if you actually just listen to all the politicians and all the media types in Canberra talk about this, uh, you'd get a different picture. 
we get to listen to people in community and there's an enormous amount of interest. Um, there's an enormous, an enormous amount of support um, from people that just really want to get involved. Our biggest challenge at the moment is giving people enough things to do to, to show their support. And what we also want to do is include people who might not know much about this. They might not have a real big idea. We want to bring them into the conversation, make them feel welcome and included in this so that they, they can get uh, involved in this campaign. Hmm. Dean, I think some of the, the, the problem that The Voice has for, for people that aren't really obsessed or into politics is that it's this abstract concept at this point in time. It's representation, it's giving an opportunity for Indigenous Australians to speak on legislation, speak to people in Parliament. But in the absence of a concrete example of something on the past that might have changed your effect, I think people struggle to get their head around it. Is there an easy-to-understand example of how this might be applied or where it might have been applied historically that you say to people and go, no, this is the kind of thing, this is what it is, as opposed to... The headline. Yeah, absolutely. So we saw it actually a really good example recently during COVID. So um, our mob have been, um, you know, threatened by some of these um, issues that come in, some mm. of these health concerns that come in, because we've actually got a lot of pre-existing conditions that make it really acute for our communities. And when this first come up, you saw in a lot of the remote communities around the country, the local people on the ground took immediate action. They didn't wait for the government. They didn't wait for the, wait for the health um, policies or the bureaucrats to make decisions. They closed their communities down. They know that they knew that they needed to instantly protect themselves. So that was an example of the community getting out in front of the government, of the policy of the day, and actually making sure. And and in the end, um, during those really tough times during COVID. It was one of the few times that the health statistics were in the favour of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander hmm. peoples because there was so much local knowledge and on-the-ground experience about what was needed at that time. Hmm. Hmm. It's a good analogy. You know, I think that, you know, there's, you know, we've been talking a lot to both the Premier, who we had on the show the other day, about this issue. And, you know, he people go, oh, well, what's going to cost? How's it going to work? What's it mean for Parliament? Like... He made it really clear. Firstly, it's going to advise Parliament, but if at the end of the day Parliament made up its mind about something, Parliament will always win the argument because, you know, it's it's the elected, it's the elected government rather than an elected advisory group. But I can think of a lot of examples where, you know, at the moment we're sort of wasting money on policies that don't work. So if the policies work better, because people like you could have a a, a forum to say this is what we actually think would be best. It could actually save the country money as well, couldn't it? Oh, that's going to be a, a very big outcome here. And I can tell you absolutely, David, that the people that want to see better value for taxpayer spend in Indigenous affairs, it's Indigenous people ourselves. Mm. We get told all the time how much money is being spent. And when you go out there to the communities, you, you, it's very, very hard to see. It's very hard to see whether those commitments actually hit the ground and, and more importantly, where they're having an impact in yeah. the lives of families and communities. So... Absolutely um, better efficiency, but ultimately better outcomes and better results for people in the community. And that's something that's going to have an impact on the broader community as well. When we when we get things right for the Indigenous community, the broader community always benefits from that as well. Mm, no, absolutely. Hey, Dean, it's been great having you in Adelaide. It was great catching up with you last night. And stay in touch, mate. Anytime you want to come on the show and have a yarn about this, you're more than welcome to. We, we, we've covered this story from both sides. We had Kieran Little on the show a couple of weeks ago, and, and she put her thoughts um, very, very um, p uh, powerfully. Um, so we're, we're covering it from both sides. But um, we really appreciate you coming in today, and mm. um, it, was a, it was a great chat. Good on you, mate. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us, eh? Cheers, Dan. Cheers. David Pemberthy and Will Goodings, 6 to 9, 5AA Breakfast.